Hi everyone! Left to our own devices, the conference may be over, but you can still watch the recording at cybellum.com conference. Tune in to listen to FDA updates from FDA executives themselves, learn about AI in automotive from NVIDIA, the AI leader, and listen to product security leaders from Philips, Honeywell, CISA, and more. Go to cybellum.com conference and watch the recording for free. See you at the next event! Hi, this is David. And this is Shlomi. And you've tuned into Left to Our Own Devices, the product security podcast. So our guest today is Franz Joseph Scherman, FJ, who joined Itemis AG in 2021 as a member of the board. And he is also the chairman of the board at Itemis Inc., He was CEO of DACH and Group Chief Sales and Innovation Officer. And he was the lead Infosys LTD in Germany for five years as CEO. Throughout his career, FJ has been involved in more than 10 innovative technology-based startups. FJ, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, David. It's really a pleasure to have you uh, here. And it was really a great pleasure to see you in Munich. Uh, I guess it was two months ago. So why don't we start off by, um, if you could tell us a bit about your background and what sparked your interest in cybersecurity and led you to a career in this field? In, in principle, technology is changing our world all the time. And as you can see from all the points out of my career, which you already brought up, um, I have been continuously working very close to technology and helping companies to apply technology or to invent new technology in their respective field, whether it was at Accenture, Infosys, uh, Adeco, or now at Itemis. Within that, there are a few megatrends which are really changing the world. And in IT, in information technology, in our entire world, and I'm just coming back from the Consumer Electronics Show CES 2024 in Las Vegas, we see that everything is getting connected and we see that with that connection, every product is changing its character throughout its lifetime. It's getting updates. Some bugs are fixed. Some new ones are probably inadvertently included. And that can create vulnerabilities. And therefore, one of the large points, every company now working in technology and connected products needs to observe is cybersecurity and be firm in cybersecurity. Why is that? With some of them, like medical devices or in the auto industry, with these products, you can actually kill people. Therefore, cybersecurity is vital. Cybersecurity is a global megatrend and a field of importance. And that is really what attracted me, making our streets more secure, making our devices more secure and working with our team at Itemis and our partners alongside to really improve that field. Right. I, th- I think it aligns perfectly with the reason both David and I joined Sabel and we talked about it a lot. The ability to really be a part of the securing devices that, that, that are all safety critical is something I find very interesting, much more so than you know, securing a Netflix server or something like that. <laughs> Uh, Even though we like Netflix. I do like it. Yeah. So 
FJ, I, I, I have a question. As, as the chairman of Itemis, which is a leading provider of threat analysis and risk assessment, uh, Tara products and services, uh, what do you consider to be your biggest challenges and, and how do you approach them? Thank you, Shlomi. I think that's a very good question and probably the areas which we are trying to look at is looking at it from a risk management perspective. In the world we live, we have to evaluate which risks we find acceptable, which risk we find less acceptable, and for those less acceptable, what are the right mitigation strategies. Some can be extremely expensive, which will probably not find a good large market, and some can be just adequate and acceptable to come to an acceptable risk level. And let me uh, take you through a very practical example on that, uh, one which we are discussing with our clients like General Motors and many others. The risk management becomes dynamic. Whilst in the past, risk management was probably done in an infrequent quarterly basis or annual basis or for a type approval of a car or of a medical device. In the future, this medical device, this car, through the connectivity, through over-the-air updates, will change. Tesla last year changed over-the-air their cars 47 times, which means except for Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's Eve, and probably two other holidays yeah, or weeks, they changed the car, which means the car is different. And that makes the risk management much more dynamic than many CFOs many boards and their shareholders would like to assume easily. And that is something where we as ETEMIS want to take part in identifying and addressing the future trends and how they impact the risk management for the product itself, as well as collectively for companies and other stakeholders. Wow, that's, that's really interesting. That is really interesting, and especially um, the companies that you're working with. I mean, you're, you're working with some of the largest OEMs, some of the largest auto manufacturers in the business. I mean, that's, that's a very large, you know, great accomplishment. So, you know, based on that experience, with the growing importance of Tara in the product development lifecycle, what advice would you give to companies who are just starting out, who are looking to establish or to enhance their Tara capabilities in 2024? My number one advice is don't reinvent the wheel. Steal, copy, and plagiarize the best practices you can see around the world if you are starting. And David, that has been the point you, has, you have been addressing. Let me give you some very practical examples. Many companies have started in their threat analysis and risk assessment, Tara, work with an Excel-based problem looking like a structure of what items do we have which can carry vulnerabilities, what's the likelihood of um, those vulnerabilities to happen, what's the impact these vulnerabilities might have and the associated risk with it. And they looked at the type approval which came into place in 2022. Now we know that in July this year, for example in the auto industry, Every car which is still in production needs to have an active risk management and companies have been looking at it from a point of type approval for the risk management process. 
but they have not often looked at what is the entire process from identifying a threat or a vulnerability and how does it change through the change to the car into a dynamic risk and how does that work for their entire fleet from July 2024 onwards. And my advice is work and identify peer companies and the leading providers in this field to collect the advice for the best practice. And once you do that, you will easily come to companies like Cybellum, like Itemis and others which have a seamless view of best practices and processes to make our streets more secure. I hope, David, that addresses a little bit your question. Yeah, it definitely does. And in fact, I think um, that you, your company is positioned extremely well for organizations who are now implementing these regulations and they have to comply with these regulations. And I guess leading up to these, uh, these, these recently implemented regulations, the, the companies that were using, for example, your products, they were forward-thinking companies who wanted to implement the, the products and services that you provide in order to be able to, to understand what the risk is that they have, to understand the threats that they have inside of their organizations, not necessarily to comply with the regulations, but now that these organizations have to comply with the regulations, it makes perfect sense for them to look towards companies like yourselves who already have done this and have a track record you know, of, of providing these types of solutions. I mean, personally, I'm very, very grateful. At the moment, we have about 40 companies which have implemented our product and have acquired our licenses for our products. Of course, some of them doing it full-fledged for the entire company and the entire fleet. Some do it for some uh, part of the fleet. Some are in pilot mode. But in essence, it's 40 automakers, OEMs, and their tier one and tier two suppliers, which are providing feedback to us. We have monthly development cycles where we bring in these companies, these clients, and they themselves are requesting certain additional functionality which they need for their requirements for their security and cybersecurity approaches. And with this feedback, we have accelerated our market-leading development, our roadmap, and I'm really grateful for that. The second part I'm really grateful is that because we all become more meaningful, and I look at the client areas and the clients of Cybellum, I look at the clients of Itemus and many other players. Sometimes it's the same chief information and security officer, the same chief information product security officer or similar roles, which talk to all of us in the ecosystem. And that's where we see also as a big trend now ongoing discussions, how we can integrate more or better. And quite honestly, we are very, very fortunate that in our platform, we have a second product, which we have been using for different purpose, for traceability purpose, for long time. And it was client conversations. We said, why don't you connect the dots with the Itemis Analyze tool to connect it to secure? 
our cybersecurity and Tara tool, as well as to your partners like Cybellum and others. And thereby we have a glue which allows us to offer seamless, much more seamless and much more value-adding processes to our customers collectively. And that's why the two companies we have also published that we are formally collaborating much more. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that glue is something that a lot of the OEMs and, and suppliers tried to do themselves for a long time. A lot of them, at least from our experience, realized that it's a, it's a huge task. And as you, as you said, it's something you need to learn from the whole industry to kind of create the, better, the best version of it. And that's the big goal, right? Creating that one uh, a centralized way to, uh, uh, to analyze risks and, and manage them, etc., so, so that's fascinating. I'm, I'm curious, uh, FJ, you talked briefly before about the threat of, of actually, uh, you know, killing someone with, with, with the devices we, uh, we work with. And I'm curious, what do you think specifically in the automotive and medical device spaces, what are the main challenges that manufacturers face in these industries in terms of security? And, and how do you deal with them? I think I can see three different trends which might be relevant to your question. Number one, the technical progress, the innovation rate is probably faster than it can be approved and applied by regulators and some of the companies in the market. That poses a challenge to marketability, that poses a challenge to bring the same level of innovation which is possible across the globe because in some areas of the globe, it is possible to bring these technologies and innovations faster to market than in others. So the discrepancy be between innovation rate and regulation. Number two, inherently in that is, or nested in that, is that the regulators themselves have difficulties to assume the vast knowledge and change which we experience. Let me give you a very practical example. When being in Las Vegas last week on the Consumer Electronics Show 2024, I looked at the vision and the technical initiatives, minimum viable products or go ready to market products from Amazon Automotive, from Mercedes, from VinFast, from BYD, from Bosch and many others. And it is already difficult to understand and comprehend how that changes to the definition and development and collection of data and the usage of data. And whilst we, from a regulatory perspective, are still talking about data privacy, data rights, etc., it is often still based on old models of what's possible compared to what AI is providing, artificial intelligence is providing, and what's technically possible and what is happening in some jurisdictions in the world. That's number two. Number three, I see that there is a discrepancy between initial innovation and scaling. When we are talking the global medical device industry, when we are talking the global automotive industry, each time we are dealing with a huge amount commercially, um, economically of value and in numbers. And bringing that to scale 
And I mentioned earlier Tesla as an example doing 47 updates. There's an interesting piece of research which has looked at more than 800 over-the-air updates in the Chinese market um, in the time of July 2023 until July 2022 for that time frame. And the about 12 to 15 Asian and Chinese auto companies are right now on an update frequency of two updates per month over the air. The car changes its wow. functionality two times a month. When you look at Mercedes, wow. Toyota, BMW and Cadillac as an example, they have an average of four times per year. What does that mean? It means that the global leaders in automotive, and I compared with a Nokia 6310, wonderful phone, but you cannot sell it anymore because there is the iPhone equivalent to the modern cars, which are updated, changing applicability, changing cybersecurity, changing functionality every other week. And I'm sure many of our listeners will rather decide for an iPhone type application and iPhone type car from its relevance as a, as a consumer, as a customer, compared to a really wonderful but non-sellable, non-marketable Nokia 6310. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think you're right. <laughs> okay, so I'd like to read to you something I saw the other day from a guy called Tom Elrich. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. He writes a lot of posts on uh, cybersecurity, S-bombs, threat analysis, and things like that. And, and he wrote a post. It, it started, it was titled, uh, Evidently, She Still Hasn't Gotten the Memo. And in it, she was, he was quoting Ann Neuberger, who's the Deputy National Security Advisor for Cyber and Emerging Technologies of the U.S. government in the NSA, one of those three-letter acronym uh, organizations. Uh, and she said um, at the July announcement of the program that the labeling program for cybersecurity would become a way for Americans to confidently identify which internet and Bluetooth connected devices are cyber secure. And his reaction was, unfortunately, Ms. Neuberger doesn't seem to have gotten the memo that there's no way the federal government, the Vatican, the NSC, or any other entity can determine whether a product is cyber secure because every product is cyber secure until it gets hacked, at which point it isn't. The best that mere mortals can say on this issue is that the device manufacturer has practices in place that should normally be conducive to good security, and we hope they'll keep them up. And so he's basically saying that, uh, Ms. Neuberger, the label doesn't tell the consumer if a product is cybersecure, as if anybody could do that. It does tell the consumer that the manufacturer seems to have designed and built the device while following certain basic cybersecurity practices. So I thought that was a good lead into our next question, which is, what do you see are the key trends that you anticipate will shape the future of cybersecurity, particularly in the context of Tara and product security? Thank you very much, David, for that question. And it's certainly not easy to answer, and it might not be collectively exhaustive. But let me share a few of my views on that. Number one, I fully subscribe and agree that a certified cybersecurity in itself 
does not exist anymore because no product, including connectivity, can be cyber secure. And that has been proven and shown over the last many years. Hackers are on the evil side of it and hackers do create commercial models by which they exploit the vulnerabilities which are inherently in any software. There is no software without errors or mistakes or vulnerabilities. The same counts for hardware. So one of the trends we can, for example, see in the automotive industry, some of the most advanced companies have significantly simplified their architectures, which leads to significantly lower cost of production. Let me give you a very practical example. BYD, a Chinese manufacturer, Tesla and others, are reducing the number of central ships to two or four, which take over the majority of all functionalities in a car. If I take a typical German producer like BMW, Mercedes, Volkswagen, to name a few, they have not only not central ships, they have a distributed system of 70 to 100 electronic control units, ECUs, and chips. What does that mean in practical life to cybersecurity? It means that for every change of software in any piece of one of these traditional cars, I would call them the Nokia group, would mean a lot of integration testing to make it secure and the number of insecurities or areas for attack, that profile is far too big with very frequent changes compared to someone who has simplified the architecture. So that's number one. Number two, we have teams in each company who have various levels of standards of programming and whether that has a level of abstraction, which we in ITEMIS call model-based system development, which allows a much more parameterized approach to programming, or whether it's something which we advertently that uh, therefore, which we advertently to that call uh, spaghetti coding, which has a little bit less of abstraction and um, structure, is the second part. And so we believe that model-based software development will be a very, very strong uh, further trend because we have to reduce complexity. Number three is the hardware part. Certain, and, and we see two big trends on the hardware side. Number one, cybersecurity encryption, security in the loop becomes more and more a feature which is brought into the chips and into the hardware. And I think that is very, very important. And that is a big trend which we see on the, on the hardware. The second part which we see on the hardware is that AI artificial intelligence is brought to the edge, which means that the hardware is not continued to produce the terabytes of raw data, which has to go expensively into the cloud and will then be evaluated by companies like yourself, by Amazon or others. But it will be actually smart models, artificial intelligence models on the hardware, on the edge, on the edge, so-called edge devices which will allow an aggregation, which will allow a more efficient exception handling and thereby reduce cost, operational cost, 
will reduce errors and shortcomings coming through the connectivity and bandwidth challenges. And it will allow us to, to much smarter understand with our sensors what's actually happening, whether it's medical devices or whether it is cars, what's happening in the environment or in their operations. So I see these three trends and they all three are impacting cybersecurity um, and risk management to a large extent. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see how all this plays out, especially with July right around the corner. On the medical device side, the FDA uh, refused to accept policies. It's going to be a very interesting time. And now also with the CRA taking effect, I think across the board, one industry is going to feed into the next. Uh, and we're going to see that the regulatory climate just becomes even greater and greater. Yeah. And especially your, your third point, I found fascinating because I feel like software has been one major uh, trend in the past, I don't know, 20, 30 years that automotive companies and medical device companies needed to deal with. And now that th these frequent changes and sort of uh, individual uh, uh, independent AI models is another change like that, which they will need to handle. And, and that's a lot for, for, for these companies, as we well aware of. So fascinating times. Shlomi, I think also, you know, what FJ said before about not reinventing the wheel, you know, there are so many cyber poor companies out there, cyber poor manufacturers out there. The last couple of years I visited uh, Embedded World in Nuremberg, and I met with a lot of um, the smaller manufacturers, and I asked them how they're creating and managing S-bombs, and they didn't know what an S-bomb was. <laughs> We're talking about the very small manufacturers that feed into the tier ones, tier twos. And I think, you know, now that a lot of those organizations are requesting and demanding that these um, smaller manufacturers are going to provide them with some kind of cyber secure product that they can actually show what's in it and everything else. I'm already hearing from some of the bigger companies that they're helping these smaller companies. And, and there's this... Uh, you know, the whole issue of cyber poverty. And if you take into account that together with what they're going to have to deal with, with AI, oh, it's, it's just taking it to a completely another level. It is a true challenge and the speed by which the change happens. And let's think about the term you brought in, the software bill of materials. Similar to Atara, it will be very dynamic and it needs to find traceability and integration across the so-called V-model or the development cycle of software. Why is that? A new requirement comes in. May it be something to um, the climatization or the air conditioning of a car. Something needs to change. Well, that requirement needs to be programmed, needs to be tested. The S-bomb for a certain part of the production fleet or types will change. And it's only the S-bomb. It's not yet the hardware bomb or the entire bomb. And while that changes at a later point in time, that change can have created, produced a vulnerability. Now the car manufacturer will become aware of our much better exchanges of information. And Cybellum is doing a phenomenal job in identifying as well as uh, making aware of, of vulnerabilities. 
And the car manufacturing within very short period of time needs to be able to securely or safely identify which exact types, which exact models produced in what time frame are actually impacted and which have not received the software update or the change in requirement. Therefore, we have a fundamental shift in responsibility whilst the auto manufacturer could give the responsibility with the rubber stamp of a safe and secure car to the dealer, the dealer could sell it, and the consumer mm -hmm. uh, or driver would have very little requirement to the auto manufacturer. That entire ecosystem is changing, and it's changing rapidly. And therefore, my recommendation to many OEMs, Tier 1s and Tier 2s, is don't waste your time on analysis paralysis for S-bombs, risk management, threat analysis. Look agile and quickly at what best practice you can already assume. And we see the change with our about 40 clients in the Tara area and now in the traceability area. You see it in the S-bomb, in the vulnerability area, some other Friends are seeing it in the uh, Vehicle Security Operations Center, the VSOX. And together with the developers, that speed is accelerating. So my recommendation is really what you have already seen, what works, and what enough people have tested. Follow that trail so you can focus more on the uncertainty of tomorrow, because otherwise you continue to put your eye on problems of today's which are already solved. Yeah, very, very good advice. So uh, FJ, if, if I may end with a personal question, we are curious uh, if you can share with us an instance from your career that stands out as the most memorable or significant and what valuable lessons did you take away from that experience? I would like to take a, a, a most recent one. Recent meaning the last three years. As you probably know, Itemis is existing for some 20 years now. We celebrated our 20th anniversary this year as a company. And Itemis has always been on the forefront of technology and research and development. While three years ago, I had a gut feeling that that is the case. I'm looking at it today, three years later, and also outside the Tara area, I always say, I identify a new raw diamond every day. Let me make this very practical, what I mean. In software development, we have before the software programming, the tool development for software development, similar to mechanical tools and me mechanical devices. We have that in software. And it was amazing to me to find out that we have the capabilities to be a provider of that tool development for one of the largest OEMs in the world, which means that every single car, which probably will be in production in 2028, 2029, will have been programmed with software tools and software which originate in the work which a phenomenal OEM and ETMS team together are doing at the moment. Another wonderful experience I have made this year in the fall 
was the go-live of the German Railway Deutsche Bahn customer relationship management system in Portal. And imagine we have winter. Imagine on a snowy Monday, all trains have impediments and part of them are stopped and everything is delayed and 4 million customers go onto a single server, onto a single solution, front end and back end to change not only their trains and their seating, but same system also flights, hotel reservations and other areas. And Itemis has delivered this project highly resilient for this capacity and for this area and to discover this gem and to deliver in time and in budget such a very, very complex project with people who are very capable, very interesting. To me, those were two of the most innovative and exciting parts. And my last part, I'm coming back at last week at Las Vegas CS. Um, we have one partnership with uh, German tier tier one called Hella, today Forvia. And we have been involved in system engineering, their battery management systems of tomorrow, their LIDAR radar systems of tomorrow, and system engineering, their EFS systems of tomorrow. And we have published about this partnership. And I'm extremely proud to see how our work of our people, of our raw diamonds, which have flourished and grown in the last couple of uh, two, three years in an, in an extreme way with, uh, uh, is, is really amazing. And the result of this work and with good people is what you can see in the background of my desk here is that we have been awarded not only one of the most innovative companies among the top innovators of Germany, but that we have also gotten people awards uh, for our people work among the highest Kununu in the US Glassdoor ratings um, in our industry, awards as best employer of Germany, uh, German Mittelstand awarded by former uh, vice chancellor of Germany, Sigmar Gabriel, and some other awards which show the hard work, but also the atmosphere as well as um, the culture which our teams are fostering, which they're having, which is innovative, but standing together as people and enjoying the work together with our clients. And, and that is just amazing. This is really, really, I would say, flabbergasting. A lot to be proud of. And uh, I guess to end this, all, all I can wish uh, for FJ is that you keep, you and your team will keep having uh, this long-term impact on the world and not on the lives of people, as, as you have done in the past 20 years. We at Saibellum are, are, of course, very, very excited about this partnership. And let's wish us all good luck. Thank you very much, Lomi. Thank you very much, David. Looking forward to an amazing 2024 together. Left to Our Own Devices is brought to you by Cybellum. To learn more, visit cybellum.com. Cybellum.